ACCA, the world's most forward-thinking professional accountancy body. Hello and welcome to this edition of ACCA Me Talks. We've got some great podcasts lined up for you for the rest of the year, which include green finance, corporate governance and more. Today, in this two-part series, we're going to focus on a recent ACCA and CANZ professional insights paper, Ethics for Sustainable AI Adoption, which connects AI and ESG. Part one sees us focusing on breaking down AI. What is it all about? And why should we as accountants pay attention to this new trend and part two focuses on connecting AI and ESG. Today I am honoured to be joined by Narayanan, Portfolio Head Business Futures here at ACCA based in London and co-author alongside CANZ of ACCA's professional insights paper connecting AI and ESG. Narayanan comments on issues pertinent to emerging technologies, technology policy and human-centered technology. His area of interest include AI and machine learning, fintech, blockchain, digital ethics and the role of human skills such as emotional intelligence in a digital world. Welcome Narayanan. Many of our listeners will have seen you present before on AI and related topics. But let's start with the basics. Can you enlighten me? Everyone knows I class myself as a dinosaur with technology. As to what AI actually is, what it stands for, includes and in particular AI in relation to the accounting and finance profession. I'm talking an AI for dummies. You know those little yellow books that make life easy to understand type of explanation? Thank you, Fazila. And first of all, um, it's great to be part of this discussion. I'm really delighted to be having this conversation with you today on a topic which I think is, is really important and has huge potential to have a really strong impact on the future direction of the accountancy profession and of the roles of accounting and finance professionals. To your question, Fazila, around what AI is in simple terms, the way I think about it is the difference between a top-down approach and a bottom-up approach. So if you think about a traditional software, there's a human being somewhere who writes a program and it's very top-down. The human being decides what the program says and then that program, that software is applied to data. And that software will treat data in exactly the same way in perpetuity, in line with the way that the human being set up that program. It will not change, it will not do anything different. And that's a very standard traditional way in which we understand technology and software. The difference with AI is that it's bottom up. And so instead of being top down where somebody's setting some rules which will always be followed in perpetuity. With AI, it's learning in a bottom up way directly from the data. What that means in practical terms is that as new data emerges, 
as time passes, as circumstances change, the way that program deals with the data it's presented could change. And that is fundamentally something new and different. And that change happens because it's learning as it's going along. When we say machine learning, that is the learning aspect of it. And that has significant implications for the accountancy and finance world. If you take, for example, something very basic, you know, even which at the junior end of careers, something like coding an invoice, for example, that's quite a manual task and it's not the most glamorous thing that one could be doing. And actually, if you think about something like an Excel spreadsheet with a VLOOKUP in it, the problem with coding invoices using our existing, you know, simple tools, if you like, first of all, somebody might send you a scan of an invoice. So that's not something that you can put inside a cell in Excel. It's not something that's suited to that. Now, even if somebody manually codes things and puts it into a cell, because of the way Excel works, even if you have a small difference in a character, instead of A, you put A and then you, or you put small A instead of large A, Excel will see those as two completely different and unrelated things because it doesn't have the intelligence often to make those kind of distinctions. What you get with AI, first of all, is the ability to convert what's known as unstructured data. So if something is a scan copy of an invoice, it's not structured data that sits in rows and columns. So you have tools in AI which can look at visual data, which can look at text data and convert it into structured data, which can be put into rows and columns. So that's step one. And then it can intelligently understand that data and map it to the right invoice codes. So if you then imagine the real world where you have, you know, a big business or even a small business with lots of information, lots of invoices, lots of things, information flying around all over the place, this kind of technology can be relied upon to really understand all that complex data without needing human intelligence to make it usable by a machine. And that's where the AI really takes it to the next level. So that's just a, one example. There are many others. Wow, you simplified that and made it so much easier for us to understand. Thank you. Um, so whilst we are breaking down AI and the role it plays in accountancy, Given that today the algorithms and code are still written by humans to solve human problems, does AI really change everything? It's a good question, Fazila. And I suppose at the surface level, it does feel very similar, doesn't it? Basically, you've got, instead of calling it a program, you're calling it an algorithm and you've still got a human who writes it. But it is quite different under the hood. The way AI works is you have something called a training data set. And this program or algorithm that we're talking about here is essentially about the human at the front end setting up, if you like, a point of view on how to deal with that training data set and how that training data set will be, um, if you like, uh, uh, taught. So there's a process of teaching the training data set on what we're trying to do. And in that step, it feels a bit like the way you would just write a program. But the difference is that, as I was explaining earlier, you don't just stop at the training data set. You move to the production data set over time because things happen. You start deploying the AI algorithm and new data comes in, more information comes in. And at that stage, the human doesn't um, have 
that kind of deterministic control where they know that the program is doing exactly the same thing that they'd set out at the front end, as I had mentioned earlier. And that's why there is an element of difference. And that's why there's an element of um, needing a level of oversight over the data. If I can also link it to things like, uh, you know, the controlled responsibilities of accountancy and finance professionals, there's an element of needing oversight so that this sort of technology can be responsibly deployed. Um, having listened to and read many articles, it's clear there is a consensus that AI does and will build trust by enabling better financial protection and control. Can you explain how this is possible? Sure, and I think this is a, a really big area where from the perspective of the profession, there are some really interesting possibilities. The thing with um, the world we live in is that it's quite fast moving. There's a lot of information and it's also quite unpredictable. And what it means is that the human brain can't absorb all of that information. You know, it's just not possible physically. So where AI really comes in to your point on financial protection and control, if you think, for example, in, uh, you know, an assurance context or a fraud context uh, where you're trying to find if you've got lots of transactions, right? And let's say you want to figure out if there's any transaction in there which is anomalous, which looks a bit different, which looks potentially like it's worthy of further investigation. You might, coming back to my starting comments, you might set up a software program which says, uh, you know, if the transaction is coming from someone who's not a recognized supplier or there's some flag, there's some field of definition associated with that transaction which feels strange or wrong, then flag it. So that would be the old way of thinking about this. The thing with the AI is that it can help you understand patterns directly in the data. So if the data as it's coming in suggests that, you know what, there are a lot of transactions which are time stamped outside of normal working hours. And you might not have thought about that when you initially set up your program, but the algorithm is picking that up and it's seeing a very high correlation between transactions that historically have now come out to be fraud and those that are now seeming to be done outside of regular hours. So it will notice that there are these correlations in the data and potentially be able to flag those correlations. So what it does is that it allows, it expands, as I was saying earlier, it's a bottom-up view of understanding where the data is taking you rather than deciding in advance what you need to look for. And for something like fraud detection, that's an incredibly powerful thing to be able to do. Wow, that is ever so interesting. And yeah, it completely goes in line with what you were saying about how AI is bottom up. The future of accounting and finance looks ever so different to what we've been used to, right? Yeah. Um, so many of us have been using data for years, mining for those little nuggets of information that will help transform business and make better financial decisions. So by embracing AI, many report that despite our expertise within the data arena already, AI will drive better decisions with active insights quicker and easier. Again, can you explain how this is possible? So that's a great question, Fazila. And I think um, in answering that, it builds a lot about what on what we've been discussing just now. Um, 
if I was to look at the way algorithms actually work at the, at the highest level, you could think about it as two broad types of algorithms. You've got supervised algorithms and unsupervised algorithms. And something we were talking about a little earlier around the way that you code invoices is a good example of a supervised algorithm where there's a human being who's supervising it at the front end. So who teaches the algorithm and says these kind of algorithms, these kind of invoices, I beg your pardon, are mapped to this kind of invoice code and it teaches that at the front end and then the algorithm goes away and, and executes. Now, in terms of finding nuggets of information, you could find um, insights when you're trying to work with that kind of model as well, but often those kind of models are particularly good where you're trying to drive efficiencies. In terms of some of the insights that you're talking about and nuggets of information, the second category around unsupervised algorithms can be particularly interesting simply because they're not setting rules in advance. These kind of algorithms and the second thing we discussed a bit earlier around fraud detection is a very good example of unsupervised algorithm. So these kind of things aren't setting in advance what is uh, the rules of the game in the way that a supervised algorithm would. So in this algorithm, what happens is you leave it to the algorithm to look at correlations and patterns in the data in a relatively free flowing manner. And what that does is that it goes in whatever direction it feels that there are potential patterns in the information. And as a human being, you might not have thought of that. So insights can come from things that it can come through questions which you hadn't even considered. Because one way to get to insights is to say that I have a hypothesis at the front end. And then I look in the data to see if my hypothesis is correct or not. And that can be a great way of getting insight. And that is certainly possible with AI. But what is additionally possible with AI is to be presented with things which you had not thought about looking for. And that's a whole new level of insight potentially in terms of patterns in the data and in terms of um, where the data is uh, evolving over time and where the data is uh, showing its uh, characteristics, if you like. That's really a whole new world beyond anything that we could actually think of as humans, right? Which takes me on to another question, but how do artificial and human intelligence then work together? That's a really important question, Fazila, and it's something that we think a lot about uh, at ACCA, and I think which within the context of the accountancy and finance world is a really important question as well. I think one thing to say up front here is that when we talk about artificial intelligence, certainly for the purposes of business applications, we're not talking about Hollywood uh, Terminator 2 style robots. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about artificial general intelligence, which just got a consciousness of its own and it just does things in a completely uh, independent way. That's not the reality of it. What we're talking about when we talk about artificial intelligence in the context of business applications is generally versions of machine learning. So that is a very statistically based process. And what that means is that it is looking at information and arriving at um, a statistically based view on whether certain decisions should be taken, whether certain patterns in the data exist. So it's something which is ultimately based on quite a scientific process. 
Now that has some implications. The first implication is that that's not based on an understanding of the business context directly or of a deep understanding of the domain knowledge. So in terms of the business partnering between accountancy and finance professionals, and let's say a pure play data scientist, there's a really important conversation that these two groups of people need to be able to have. They need to be, if you like, not on different planets talking different languages. They need to be able to understand each other. And that is important for things like risks. It's also important for things like value. We've talked about both of those things uh, in this conversation. If you think about the way a model works from a data scientist perspective, they might think about it in terms of there's some inputs. Those inputs have some weightages and depending on the weightages and uh, the way I combine those inputs using those weightages, I get some output. And that's a kind of a pure play data scientist, you know, trying to kind of uh, get from a, a question to a, an answer. And they will have some business understanding of the business question, but what they probably will not have because it's not their primary role often to have a very detailed understanding, for example, in the way that um, some costs might be non-financial costs or reputational costs that we care about a lot. Some missed opportunities may be extremely significant in terms of opportunity costs, which are not directly reflected uh, in, in, in a numeric fashion in the model. Uh, there are some things which have ethical dimensions in terms of it, it works, the model's accurate, we have the data, we have the processing power, we can do it, but should we do it? And there's an ethical question there. So there are some big uh, areas where it's going to be really important that there is, and there is generally speaking, a consensus in the AI ethics world of this notion of, if you like, the human in the loop. So the idea is that Yes, there are lots of things where the artificial intelligence can do its thing, but there needs to be the ability for a human to oversee it, and importantly, the ability for the human to override an AI decision if needed. I really liked that, the human in the loop, because while you were speaking, I was thinking, oh my, right, the future is going to be rather interesting to people who are in this profession on how do you work together from the artificial and human side? And I think um, that human in the loop analogy is really interesting. Um, yeah, and actually, if I can just add there, Fazila, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, for humans to work with AI, one of the first things that they need to do is for humans to work with humans. Because yeah. the way AI works is that you're using data from across different sources. So you need to break down data silos in your own organization and you need to break down um, people silos as well, where people from different cross-functional teams, I think is going to be a really big narrative and people from different disciplines being able to work with each other effectively. So in many ways, humans working with AI is really about humans working with humans across different silos and teams. Love that. So that's a lot more about more collaboration and working exactly. together more, right? Yeah, yeah that, that, that uh, sounds rather exciting. Um, so now we understand a little bit more about AI. Thank you simplifying it for us. Um, 
How are accountants using AI capabilities currently? I mean, that's what I really want to know. And what do you see is the long-term vision for AI in our profession? Sure. So we're already starting to see uh, the, the kind of use of AI really entering into uh, the the mainstream of the accountancy and finance world. It's still at the early stages. We did some research with EY actually last year, and we asked people, and this was a survey of I think about four or 5,000 accountancy and finance professionals around the world, and we asked them, how many of you are actually using AI right now? And the answer was about 12%, so it's about one in 10. And then we said, how many of you are expecting to be using AI in some shape or form by the end of this decade? And the answer was 86%, which is closer to 9 in 10. So their current view is 1 in 10. Their expectation by the end of the decade is about 9 in 10. Now, even accounting for the fact that people are very, very optimistic about the future, but even you know, accounting for that, the fact is that it's an order of magnitude difference. We are not increasing it by... 10%, 20%, 30%, we are going from 1 in 10 to 9 in 10. So the market is telling us that we're expecting that AI is going to be something that basically moves from experimental lab proof of concept stuff into mainstream deployment at scale. And that's going to happen over this decade of the 2020s. Now, in terms of the specific kind of use cases that you were talking about, I think there are um, quite a few different interconnecting things. There's one thing around reducing routine tasks, and I think that's going to be a big narrative. Uh, we talked about the invoice coding example, and I think it will free up time for accountancy and finance professionals to really focus on those higher value added tasks where they're really bringing, uh, you know, additional uh, kind of uh, benefit to their stakeholders, whether they're internal stakeholders, whether they're clients, uh, really helping them succeed in what they're trying to do, bringing customer value. So I think there will be much more of time opened up for that because of the cognitive nature and the cleverness of these technologies. I think in addition to reducing routine tasks, there are there's a big piece around um, uh, fraud and, and uh, risk. So I gave that example of fraud, but I think that generalizes more broadly as well into areas like cybersecurity, because cybersecurity is a classic example where cyber hackers are very clever, right? So if uh, the cyber hacker finds that actually there's a loophole in your in your infrastructure in some way, and they'll start exploiting that, and then somebody in your organization realizes that, and they close that loophole, the cyber hacker doesn't stop there. They find something different, and they find some other way to, to break into your, your environment. And this is where machine learning is at its best, because if you have someone at the front end, again, going back to the start of the conversation, if you have someone at the front end who says, you know, the loophole is X, and they write a program to plug that loophole, well, actually, at some point, the hacker realizes that you worked it out and they change what they do. And so with machine learning, it can keep pace with that and it can keep adapting as it sees new types of patterns in the data when it sees that people are trying something different, which was not what they were trying before. And it's uh, in that sort of thing where preventing risk, fraud, cyber, again, that's a second big bucket of things where AI, in addition to reducing routine tasks, will have a key role to play. And of course, there's the whole piece around driving insight uh, because we are in a world of big data and the key characteristic of big data, well, 
there are multiple, but I guess a few of them are firstly the volume of it. Um, it's it's simply not feasible to just think of it through traditional, uh, very simplistic processing mechanisms. So I think you know the volume of it, and which should be viewed as an opportunity. But I think more than the volume, the most interesting thing about the data explosion is the unstructured nature of it. So I'm talking, you know, scans of receipts. I'm talking emails. I'm talking voice recordings. I'm talking visual information, videos. Uh, talking stuff which is social media. So these aren't, you know, just what we would normally think of as as data to be analyzed in the traditional way. And this is where I think, you know, the insight from all of this thus far has been a black hole to some extent. It's not really been available that much. It's obviously hugely increasing in recent years and will continue to increase. But I think that's where there's a huge insight opportunity in terms of extracting insight from these um, unstructured sources of, of data as well. And I think all of that will then inform um, the role of accountancy and finance professionals in terms of how they think about decisions in their organization, how they think. I mean, if you look at the whole space of sustainability, if I can just for sidetrack for a second, most of ESG data is narrative information sitting in annual reports, in, in regulatory filings, compliance filings, that all that sort of unstructured data, AI is really well placed to deal with it. And so I think you're going to see um, the role of accountants really expanding as a result of having this kind of technology to turbocharge what they bring to the table. Fantastic. Thank you, Narayanan. It's clear from this discussion that AI is an enabler and we accountants really should embrace technology and the future ways of work. Yes, it is an uncertain time, but having heard Narayanan, it's an exciting time where we need to work with AI and shape how our roles as accountants will change in the future. Join me for part two, where Narayanan provides us with insight into our report that looks at connecting AI and ESG. Thank you, Fazila. It's been a pleasure discussing this with you, and I look forward to continuing this discussion in part two. Join us tomorrow for the second part of this podcast. This podcast was brought to you by ACCA. Find out how we think ahead at accaglobal.com.